Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for a special message for Love Life Adoption Week with Chaplain Susan Westfall. Thank you, Pastor John. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. And I'd like to plug the Billy Graham Association training. Uh, Bob and I took that yesterday in a Husky. It's very well done. It's only three hours. It's not boring. It's very simple. They, base, they need 500 of us to be there on May 7th to counsel and pray with the people that accept Christ. So please really contemplate going. Oh, good, good. But I'm saying please attend and get the training and uh, do the application and show up on May 7th. We've been praying for revival. God's sending us a Franklin Graham. Let's, <laughs> let's take advantage of it. But I greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's uh, teaching that I wish to share with you, it's about a, a difficult and emotionally charged topic that doesn't get a whole lot of attention in today's Christian church. And by church, I mean you and me, we're, we're the church. But this topic is addressed in our Bible. And if we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, then we must concern ourselves with the things that concern our Lord. We call ourselves Christians. You know, Christians means Christ-like, followers of Christ. We must not only partake of the benefits of being a child of God, but we must also take on the responsibilities that God has given us as his representative here on earth. And part of those responsibilities are to be the salt and light of this dark world. We are called to expose the darkness. We must speak out against sin, which is disobedience to God's word. And that includes the sin in our own lives, the sins in other people's lives, and the sin in our culture, okay? We are commanded to lovingly stand firm in the faith and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks us a reason for the hope that is in us with all meekness and fear. And, and I, I challenge you, we need to be ready. If, if you read in the news, there was a teenager in Canada this week that was arrested. He was thrown out of his Christian high school because he claimed that there were only male and females on the earth. And, and surely you've heard about the lady in uh, the UK that has been arrested twice for praying silently outside a closed abortion center. So it's, you gotta be ready. Today's topic is about the murder of preborn babies in the mother's womb, okay? Abortion, as we know it. This may make you uncomfortable, but that's okay. Imagine that Jesus' disciples, they were pretty uncomfortable with a lot of his topics, so you're in good company. Here's a question I want you to, to think about holding your head throughout this spiel. Picture yourself standing before God, and the, the Lord God Almighty asks you, hey, when do you think it's okay to kill a baby? Okay? Now, I work part-time in EMS, emergency medical services, um, in EMS, all of our textbooks, all of our con ed, all of our teachings claim that the leading cause of death in America is heart disease, cancer, accidents, and strokes, okay? That's absolutely not true. The real truth is that the number one leading cause of death in America is abortion. Okay, you're never gonna hear that or read that in a textbook. Annually, every single year, they estimate 930,160 legally induced abortions are provided throughout our country, okay? Sadly, 62% of these abortion patients claim to have a religious affiliation. 
I want to uh, tell you where to get statistics from. There's two, two nationally known places. One's, if I'm saying this right, Guttmacher. I have the spelling if you want it. Uh, um, if you want it. But that organization contacts every abortion, abortion provider in the United States to get their stats. While the Centers for Disease Control, you need to be aware of this, they rely on voluntary reporting, and they don't even include states like California, Maryland, and New Hampshire. So be careful where you get your stats from. And my stats that I have are from 2020. And, and also, it's important to remember, these are just the reported abortions. They do not include the use of the abortion pills that you can get over the counter or through the mail. So we estimate that the highest number of baby killings in America was in 1990, the height of 1.6 million babies killed in their mother's wombs. They estimate since 1973 that 63 million babies have been murdered. That's 63,459,781 babies. For comparison, the population of the state of California, the whole state, is 39 million. Okay, puts it in perspective. Now, there are a number of reasons. I have statistics and percentages. If you want them, I'll share them later. The, uh, the given to have an abortion, a, a number of reasons, but 99% of these reasons are summarized into just one. It's not convenient for me to have a baby at this time. That's what it boils down to. If you know who Francis Schaeffer is, a philosopher, Christian author, he said that every abortion clinic should have a sign in front of it saying, open by the permission of the church. Okay. If you remember back in 2020, the catchphrase, follow the science. Okay. Let me give you some of that science. National Geographic, they have a documentary called Life in the Womb. It's kind of hard to find online because it's kind of buried. Let me quote, National Geographic, life begins at conception. As a single, separate, living cell, nothing new is added except oxygen and nutrition. Fertilization occurs when the sperm and ovum join to form a single cell full of life and bearing the unique genetic imprint of a person who has never existed before." Quote, unquote. I have some baby models that Anne's gonna walk around and show you. These baby models are babies at seven weeks, eight, nine, 10, and 12 weeks old. And as I'm talking, she's just gonna walk around and you can take a look at these things. Because here's the statistics I really want you to know if you're gonna share this with your loved ones. At 18 to 21 days, okay, a baby's heart begins beating. That's about three weeks. And sometimes it's even before you know you're pregnant. At six weeks, the baby can move and respond to stimulation. At 12 weeks, babies can feel pain, and there are even some studies suggesting this can be as early as eight weeks. At 40 days, just shy of seven weeks, brain waves can be measured. At eight weeks, the baby can suck her thumb. During six to 11 weeks, all of the baby's organs have been formed, and the tiny person, as you can see, is only about three inches long. At 12 weeks, the baby has eyelids, ears, toes, fully formed mouth, fingernails, fingerprints, has all their essential organs, a working circulatory system, the sex is distinguishable, red blood cells are being produced in the liver, and the baby can make a fist with his fingers. Even according to National Geographic, and again I quote, the moment of conception is when an individual's unique set of DNA is created a human signature that never existed before and will never be repeated. Okay? 
So I ask you, if something is growing, is it not alive? It, will it not continue to grow unless something or someone stops it? Okay, so when is it okay to kill a baby? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, historically, you've got to understand, abortion is not something new to our society. I'm going to take us back to the Bible and to see what God actually has to say about this. Remember when the Lord delivered the Israelites from Egypt and took them into the land of Canaan? The worship of the pagan gods, Moloch and it's Baal, but I'm going to say Baal for, for easing, easiness here. They were well-known gods to the Israelites um, about the Canaanites before they ever entered the land. And Moses sternly forbade their worship. In Leviticus 18, I'm not sure if I gave you that one. I've asked for some of, our, some of my um, Bible verses to be shown. And hopefully I gave them to you in order, but not that one, okay. But Leviticus 18.21, it says, you shall not give any of your offspring to offer them to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. And profane means don't violate the honor of, don't dishonor or wound the name of God. So they, the Israelites knew that before they ever even went into the land of Canaan. In Leviticus 20, two through five, do we have that one? Great, you can read along with me. You shall also say to the sons of Israel, any man from the sons of Israel or from the aliens sojourning in Israel who gives any of his offspring to Molech shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will also set my face, as God's speaking here, I will also set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given some of his offspring to Molech so as to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. If the people of the land, however, should ever disregard that man when he gives any of his offspring to Molech so as not to put him to death, in other words, not follow what I've told you, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Molech. Okay? Deuteronomy 12, 21. You shall not behave thus toward the Lord, your God, for every abominable act which the Lord hates, they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Deuteronomy 18.10, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. Little historical note. Here, the Phoenicians, Ammonites, and Moabites, and a few others were a loosely gathered group of people, groups of people, who inhabited Canaan. And Canaan is modern-day Lebanon, Syria, and Israel, between about 1550 B.C. and 300 B.C. In addition to sexual rituals, Moloch worship included child sacrifice, or as we read it in our Bibles, it's commonly referred to as passing children through the fire. Imagine this, okay? It is believed that the idols of Moloch were giant metal statues of a man with a bull's head, and each image had a hole in the abdomen and outstretched forearms, okay, that made a kind of ramp into the hole. A fire was lit in or around the statue, and babies were placed in the statue's arms and kind of rolled into the stomach there. When a, cat, when a couple sacrificed their firstborn, they believed that this false god Moloch would ensure financial prosperity for their family and future children. And then you have Baal. Baal means master or owner. That, that was a lot of different gods. Uh, 
most often the word refers to the Semitic deity or deities called Baal or Baalim, Baalim for plural. Baal became the proper name for the most significant god in the Canaanite patriarch um, of gods or pantheon of gods. Basically, uh, they were gods of the land and owning and controlling it, and they were believed to be the god of the increase of crops, fruits, and cattle. Some balls were greater than others. Some were in control of entire cities, such as uh, Melkart of Tyre that we read about in the Bible. Incense and sacrifice were offered to Baal, even human sacrifice, according to Jeremiah 19. But Baal was chiefly marked by fertility rites. Baal was thought to make land, animals, and people fertile, their shrines were staffed with male and female prostitutes for this purpose. And the most famous incident that we should all remember about was that of Elijah and the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. In spite of God's clear prohibitions, even King Solomon, to please his numerous heathen wives, set up high places for Molech on Mount Olivet. Although Molech's principal place of worship in and after King Manasseh's time was the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, it's a place of such ill repute that Gehenna, which is the Valley of Hinnom, became a type of hell that we read about in Matthew 5. Now I've got some more scriptures that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you because you know here at, at Calvary Chapel, we have that distinct privilege of going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we do expository teaching, which is what we all love. But sometimes you just need to get your Bible out and read what God has to say. If you think of the time of Ezra in, in the book of Nehemiah, they just got out the book of the law and they just read it to the people. And um, that's what I'm going to do to you today. It's this, God's word is pretty self-explanatory when it comes to baby murder. So on 2 Kings 16.3, again, if you'll just read along with me. But he, with Ahaz, king of Judah, walked in the way of the kings of Israel and even made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations which the Lord had driven out from before the sons of Israel. 2 Kings 17. Then they, which is Israel and Judah, made their sons and their daughters pass through the fire and practiced divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him. Think of what we're doing as a nation, provoking God. Jeremiah 7.31. They, the children of Judah, have built the high places of Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, and it did not come into my mind. Can you imagine God saying that? Psalm, Psalm 106. But they mingled with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. How about that? Jeremiah 32. They built the high places of Baal that are in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech, which I had not commanded them, nor had it entered my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Jeremiah 19. Because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known, and because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. We've got Ezekiel 16. Moreover, 
You took your sons and daughters whom you had borne to me and sacrificed them to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. You know, when I, when I was 14 is when I first read my, my old King James Old Testament. And I remember reading these passages and going, whoa, what barbarians. Who could ever sacrifice their child to such a god or goddess? But look at today, modern today. What abortion procedures have we, are we using and have we used? You know, you got the suction and vacuum aspirations of babies 14 to 16 weeks. Okay, you have dilation and evacuation called D&E. That's what they use after 16 weeks. Partial birth abortion has got to be the, one of the worst. I don't even go into that description. The saline solution. I have pictures of those. That saline burns the baby on the outside and on the inside as they inhale it. And all abortionists, if they're honest, they will tell you that these babies fight for their lives as they die, slowly, painful deaths. It, it's horrendous. Um, maybe, you want, I don't know if you've watched that, the movie, uh, Gros, I think it was Grosnell. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's, that's an abortion provider who was actually convicted. So when is it okay to murder a baby? Yeah. My own journey, I was a college student way back, decades ago. And one day I'm on campus going about my business and the Lord, I felt, asked me, Susan, what do you think about conception? And I, I was taken back. I, that's weird, Lord. I, I, I'm not married. I, I don't even have a boyfriend. I, I, I'm a Christian. I follow your commandments. I have no reason to think about abortion. I don't know what I think, or not abortion. I, don't, I have no reason to think about conception. You know, why are you asking me this? And I just kind of let it go for a few days, and I felt the Lord ask me again, Susan, what do you think about conception? And I'm like, well, Lord, you're serious. Okay, I don't know what I think about conception. So I thought about it and went back to God and said, well, Lord, you know, I guess I believe it's the roll of the dice. You know, you have sex, and if the sperm finds the egg, you have a baby. You know, that's, that's I guess, what I think. And then the Lord guided me to Ruth 4, 13. And I'm definitely going to wait for that to come up, because this, 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 Scripture changed my life, or at least my idea. I want to read this slowly. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So did you catch that? As a 19-year-old, I caught it. The Lord gave her conception. <clears throat> Lord, that means, I mean, because I thought this through. I'm a serious Christian. When the Lord speaks, so I listen, you know. Lord, that means even in the case of rape, incest, or a mother's health, if the Lord gives conception, it is of the Lord, and I have no right to kill this baby. I'm like, okay, Lord, I stand corrected. Thank you. You know, today, more recent, a few years back, Ann Taylor and I, we arranged for an American nursing student to do an internship at a Kenyan hospital over in Africa. When this um, female student took a rotation in labor and delivery there at this uh, famous Kajabi Hospital, the student was shocked at the attitude of the nursing staff there in labor and delivery. If there were any complications at all with the birth, all medical attention was given to the mother, and they almost neglected the child. She was stunned. When she asked why this was so, she was told, ah, next year there'll be another child. <laughs> That's, that was a couple years ago. And we forget that all non-Judeo-Christian nation states don't value life. They never have. Pagans never do. Okay? 
that's just that's what how it is i mean i hope that you're rejoicing with me that on june 24th 2022 roe versus wade was finally overturned after 49 horrible long years there is no constitutional right to murder but don't fool yourself because nothing's really changed the fight has just moved to the states okay the fact remains that one in four children are still legally murdered in accordance with our current pro-life legislation and I, I stress that we have not failed to be pro-life we have failed to be christians because in reality we must abolish abortion not regulate the killing of children Amen. okay so at what point is it okay to murder a baby Okay, the world tells us, especially if we have any young people in here, the world tells us, it's going to tell you that who you are is what you do. And your only value and worth are only based on your usefulness to others in society. That is the world's narrative through and through. We get that in our school textbooks. We get it on our billboards, on TV shows every, every night. That's not what God says. God says that you are made in the image of God and bear his likeness. You, are, you have intrinsic worth. I mean, you're born with worth. You're born in the image of God. This God who formed you in the womb, he has numbered your days, and he knows the very number of hairs on your head. In Genesis 127, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. That's another topic. Genesis 9.6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For, the image, for in the image of God he made man. And there's other verses that show God's heart and mind towards the preborn. In Genesis 16:11, And the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, if you remember Hagar was uh, Sarah's um, maidservant from Egypt, Behold, you are, and get this, this is God's perspective, you are with child. And you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael. He didn't say to her, behold, you're full of a clump of cells, you know, or whatever else they, they're telling women nowadays. You are with child, you shall bear a son. Judges 13.7, if you remember Samson, Manoah's wife, and he, God, said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Okay? It is not insignificant. Okay, that's a double negative. It means it's very significant that our Lord Jesus Christ came to us via an embryo in Mary's womb. Did you ever stop and think about that? Okay? In Isaiah 7.14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Conceive with child, a single cell growing, multiplying for nine months. Luke 1, 31. And behold, you, Mary, will, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Talk about a crisis pregnancy. <laughs> she voluntarily entered into a crisis pregnancy. We don't give that much thought to think of what that culture was back then. Mary was most likely 14 to 16 years of age. She agrees with the angel and with God to become pregnant. She doesn't know how this is going to happen, but she agrees. She immediately pays a price. 
We don't get all the details, but her reputation is ruined. No one's going to believe her. Her family's reputation um, would have been affected, and Joseph's reputation is impugned. That's why he wanted to put her away. Mary could have lost her fiancé and her whole future. In fact, she could have been stoned to death in that culture. That's why Joseph wanted to put her away privately, so she wouldn't be stoned to death. But Mary put her trust in the Lord to work things out, which he did, and he still does. Okay. Remember when Mary visited Elizabeth and Elizabeth's child, John the Baptist, jumped in her womb. Elizabeth, we are told, was in her sixth month of pregnancy. In Luke 1.15, the angel is talking to Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband. For he, John the Baptist, will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Luke 1.41, and it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 144, a few verses later, Elizabeth is telling Mary, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Baby Jesus and baby John the Baptist were very much alive in their mother's wombs. When you are pregnant at all points, you are with child. If Mary had chosen to sacrifice her firstborn to Moloch, we wouldn't have a savior, okay? Mary did not sacrifice the child in her womb for her own selfishness or for her own convenience. However, let's not forget that God did sacrifice Jesus because you and I, we are so valuable to God that he ransomed us from hell by sacrificing Jesus on the cross for our sins. A king's ransom has been paid to rescue and restore us to fellowship with the Father. And think of it as this way, salvation through the gift of conception. Okay? You know, for a society that condones abominations like abortion, there is going to be judgment. It's coming. Be ready for it. But I want you to know that for individuals, God always offers forgiveness. There is always hope for healing and restoration. If you or a loved one have had an abortion, that Jesus is there for you. And I've seen this firsthand. I was at a home Bible study back in Phoenix, Arizona, some weeknight. And a lady there at the end of our Bible study had asked for prayer because she had the opportunity to speak before the Arizona State Congress the next morning against abortion. This lady, I'm going to call her Nancy. Um, she, had gotten, she claimed to have gotten pregnant on all forms of available birth control. And she had had three to five abortions. I, I didn't ask how many. I knew it was a lot. And uh, then she met Christ, asked for his forgiveness, you know, repented and surrendered her life to God. And thereafter, she gave birth to a son. Anyway, she said she needed help editing her talk. So I volunteered to help her after the, the Bible study. And so we get to her house about nine o'clock and come to find out she hasn't even started. Long story short is that we stayed up all night writing and rewriting her spiel. Uh, what, but I, what I remember most about um, that night, though, was while she's writing and I'm rewriting and she's writing more, I'm looking through her photos and I, I keep finding this, there's this woman in this photo and it looks just like the photos if the press is honest and shows you the photos of the women marching to, for pro-choice. They're bitter, they're angry, they're mad, they're just so filled with hate. They, she looked older and I was like, who is this lady, Nancy? And Nancy laughed. She goes, that was me. 
And I'm looking at this lady. She's probably in her, in like about 30 years old, and she's almost like a child. She is so radiant, full of joy and the love of the Lord because God transformed her life after all of these horrible abortions that she had had. So there is always hope. She had been forgiven and transformed. And I just can't tell you how a completely different woman that she was. And then she went on to give a great speech that next day to the Congress. So Jesus, never forget, he can truly forgive any sin and bring healing to any sinner. So by now at this point, you should know without a doubt God's perspective on murdering a baby. And I want to challenge you with some personal applications as I wind down. Have you ever stood outside a murder mill and prayed? Some of you might have gone before with this love life, and we have the opportunity to do it again this this Saturday. Um, I'm I'm really excited about that, and I'm hoping that my schedule is clear enough for me to go this time. Um, You can also get behind um, House legislation. There was a bill, a House Bill 158, to abolish abortion in North Carolina. I'm told that that bill has been stopped, but they're they're getting ready to submit another bill, and it's to abolish abortion. It's not to regulate the killing of children. It's to abolish. Have you ever talked to your children and grandchildren about abortion? It's a topic that needs to, to be talked about because it happens, even to Christian families, okay? You all, I hope, know about Elizabeth City's own Albemarle Pregnancy and Resource Center and Clinic, and they brought their a mobile unit out here named Molly that was, was last year, two years ago. You know, get behind that, support them, you know, give them gift cards, buy them diapers, you know, the little baby bottle collection coins, you know, the change that we do each year. Um, Ahoski has a family resource center. It's not quite as well equipped as the Elizabeth City. Have you ever considered walking alongside a young woman in a crisis pregnancy? You know, providing counseling, support, housing, helping her needs, encouraging her in Christ. Have you offered to adopt? You know, in Gates County next door, We at the Haven Missionary Care Center, Anna and Bob, myself, and Hope Fellowship, Pastor Kyle Truman, we've gotten together and we're doing what we call a safe haven baby box. Hopefully um, some of you got some of these little uh, church bulletins. This baby box is a box that's installed at, what's going to be installed in our county at our EMS agency. And it's it is, it's going to be a safe place to abandon a baby legally, safely, without fear of prosecution. But it's mostly to make awareness of all 50 states have a safe haven baby law. That's what we want to uh, get out there to let every person know that if you do not want your newborn, you can safely hand over your newborn to any fireman, law enforcement, medical provider, and that includes volunteer firefighters if you're out there, and not be prosecuted. And people don't know that. We just had a lady just this week, I was just reading Fox News, that is being prosecuted because she dumped her baby. She left it in a convenience store bathroom. They found the baby. Last I read, he was in critical condition. Um, But not too long ago, Virginia had a lady that's being prosecuted. She dumped her newborn in a dumpster, and that baby died, and she's being prosecuted. In Chicago, some lady bundled her baby and put it on the front step of a fire station but didn't knock or ring the bell so some unfortunate firefighter opened the door the next morning to find a dead hypothermic baby that's totally unnecessary it it is perfectly legal each state's a little bit different north carolina you have seven days to legally hand over your baby but anyway that's what we want to to get out there we're raising funds to do that we've had enough funds they're actually building the baby box for us we hope to take delivery of it in april we think we have enough funds to get it installed we're we're still waiting on a general contractor we've got the electrician but we need a, a general contractor and we're really excited we will be the second safe haven baby box in the state of north carolina 
so you can pray for us. And if you want to get involved with that, just let us just let us know. We'll get you that information. So I covered all of that. Uh, we this our safe haven baby box is going to serve northeastern North Carolina and southeastern Virginia. And um, you know, again, we invite you to get involved with us in this. You know, you can also there are all other safe haven baby places. You know, hospitals and and whatnot. Um, but anyway, out in rural parts of North Carolina, we need things like this. So, you know, I want to close this, this morning with a quote and a prayer from a guy named Owen Strachan uh, from an article in, in World Magazine in October 24th, 2022. It says, we, and he's talking about Christians, we are pro-life because the Bible is pro-life. Okay? That is the animating conviction of the evangelical pro-life movement. We are not pro-life because it's a winning issue. We are not pro-life because we like the issue. We are not pro-life because we like the reputation it gives us. We are pro-life because the timeless and perfect word of God compels us to be pro-life. So join me in prayer here. Father God, in whatever field and work we find ourselves in today, let us remember these truths. In the public square, in political contests, in making and championing policy, in doing the dirty work necessary to promote what is good and true and beautiful. Let us remember why we are pro-life. Our days are already written by God. While we still have them, let us use them to proclaim in a pro-death world that God loves life and that every single person is fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. We do have some tracks if anybody wants to grab them on the way out. Thank you for your time and your attention. Again, John, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Please stand if you're able. And it's interesting about um, everything that was said today. And I'm going to show you like today we know it's a baby in the womb. With Molech, they knew. How do I know they knew? If you look at paintings of Molech, not only do you see them putting their babies on the arms and basically passing them through the fire, if you look off to the side, you'll see people with drums and instruments. And they were there to drown out the cries of the baby. They knew. They knew exactly what they were doing. So Father, we pray as we sing this last song that it will never be well with our souls for abortion. It will never be well to let the unborn die in these tragic ways. But it will be well with our souls that we can trust in you and your almighty might to open the hearts and minds of those who are dealing with abortion and abortion centers and those who are working there. And I've heard and I've even posted many, many stories of former abortion workers who had their eyes open by little things they saw inside the places where they worked and it was enough for them to say I can't do this anymore so I pray to continue to just open the eyes of people who are in this business of death and show them that there is life and that these are precious lives made in your image and I pray to you Lord that you help us all to say it is well with our souls to be fighters for the unborn to trust you in all things and know that you will fight and you will win in 
Jesus' name, amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious God. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And though haste the day when the face shall be sighed, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound It is 
well, it is well with my soul. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go out there and fight for the unborn. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.